0: shooting still photos and video, you can't just necessarily jump from one to the other. There's that initial hurdle of stopping oneself from moving the gear.
1: You gotta have the who, what, when, where, and why.
0: We wanna capitalize on every possible image composition we can while the light in the animals presenting itself to us. Welcome to Wild and Exposed, your wildlife photography and outdoor adventure podcast. This week, Michael Morrow, Ron Hayes, and myself, Mark Raycroft, have a new podcast discussing all kinds of elements between shooting still photos and video. Before we get into that, I want to hear what's going on. I know that my buddy Michael just flew in overnight last night from Alaska. How's it going? How did it go in Alaska? I hear it was true winter up there compared to Denver
1: much much better winter up there actually has snow on the ground i think we talked about that in the last podcast it's it's just different i mean it seems like that's the kind of winters we used to have and you just don't get them so much anymore so denver ends up being very brown and uh, temperature swings like crazy i think tomorrow we're supposed to be in the upper 50s first part of january and then alaska just has that it's white it's snowy although there was a couple of days where Uh, front came into Colorado, and they they were down in the single digits, Fahrenheit, single digits. And Anchorage, we were at forty degrees, so it is a little different up there. But it doesn't ever really get warm enough to melt up there. It stays snowy, and I just like it. So it's good to be back here. I think there's some a lot of stuff. The reason I had to come back is there's just so much work that I have to do on the East Coast in the next couple of months that it's easier to travel out of Denver than it is out of Anchorage. It just time wise, that in leaving Anchorage, it's those overnight red eye flights to come back to the Lower Forty Eight, and I'm just not a good sleeper on a plane. So it would take a lot out of you to go in and out of there. Oh, those are
0: never fun. Never no. fun. Nope. Well, I want to, I want to say welcome to 2019. I hope you both have had a happy New Year. This is our yeah. first podcast of the
2: New Year. That's true. I didn't think about that
0: and i am still mending i've been laid out for a while with the flu and the last podcast we did i was feeling better then got set back a little bit but what do they say
1: they well, say what do they say what
0: doesn't kill you only makes you stronger oh. right that's what i'm going with
1: here that's one thing i I was thinking about on the plane last night is there was tons of coughing and stuff going on and you're like oh "Oh, can i just put a bubble around me right now because i'm not sure that i want to get sick because everybody i know other than me and ron are everybody's sick
0: it's been going around yeah no fun but and it's it's delayed things i have i had these plans over the holidays with the kids to get out and and to do pine martens and to do snowy owls, both are happening right now and, and everything got put on hold because I just wasn't up to camping and nor the amount of driving and just being in the outdoors if the wind picks up, you know, you can't deal with that on a fever. So I'm getting better. Unfortunately, the kids are are heading out, but uh, we'll pick it up in the next week and and take on those photo assignments and have some new content to share with everybody in the weeks ahead. Ron, how's it going in Wyoming?
2: It's it's good. It's been uh it's there's been some huge temperature swings. I was telling um Michael before we started, it, it was the other day it was t- about 20 below 0 overnight. So it cooled off quite a bit, but then during the days it's still been in the mid 40s, mid 30s to mid 40s. So it was fairly mild during the days, but we have been getting cooler overnight and we do finally have some snow on the ground that's stuck around a little bit. So that's that's going to make it nice to get out this weekend and, and try to find some wildlife. So that'll be a a great change compared to where we've been.
1: What awesome. are we going to find? Mountain lions? I don't,
2: I don't know about that. I So again, talk to the same landowner. They're, they're, his hired hand supposedly saw him again, but I'm not sure we can communicate enough to figure out exactly uh you know he could probably take me to where it was but where he thinks they were headed uh there's a herd of elk that kind of goes around this small mountain big hill small mountain and they just kind of circle it and I, I think I still think that that cat has a, a taste for elk and that's what she's following because the deer don't there's deer everywhere in the same area but she doesn't seem to be she seems to be relocating with the elk
1: and that's so, one of those deals where you just have to be there a lot exactly You just got a huge yep. time commitment
2: keep an eye on where the elk are and then you know know that she could have made a kill and be a day behind them so right and that you know in that mahogany country you're just gonna have to get lucky again to get her located um so hopefully we'll find some bobcats this week. That's that's the higher uh, higher percentage risk. I cool. think that we'll take so
0: with some snow. You said too, with, right? There's a yeah, of that, with snow.
2: So that'd yeah, be nice. that would be great. Mm-hmm.
0: We just had snow return last night, a couple of inches. So it's game on for winter pictures again. Hopefully it'll stick around. But the weather's same thing here in southern Ontario, up and down. There's no predicting it. It's Mm -hmm. unseasonably warm most of the time. And then we get these cold flashes and hopefully the snow will stick around so we can do some snowy owls and some pine martins. Red foxes, I love them in winter winter situations as well. So something else we touched on last week, and I know it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of funny, the number. We had hoped for by New Year's Eve to have our YouTube channel, Wild and Exposed Podcast, hit 225 subscribers. And we did it on New Year's Eve. We hit 225 subscribers and we didn't necessarily put it out that day. Didn't do promotion that day. It just happened. So I'm thinking there's some karma going on. And I know I am grateful for all 225 subscribers. And we are just excited that this is going to keep growing exponentially because we are trying to put out great content on our vlogs. And we continue to evolve with them as we go along and we have a lot of animal behavior on these vlogs for those people that have been watching them but there will be more and more how to's and hacks and that kind of content as well in the vlogs so get dialed in subscribe on youtube at wild and exposed podcast it's free and follow along and when you watch it also please give us a thumbs up and no matter what platform of podcast audio that you're listening to us on also please give us a positive review a five-star rating because both of those allow us to do what we love to do and to bring you these podcasts on a weekly basis. Those stats are a big deal, and they're free to do and help support our efforts. So, guys, let's jump into the pro tips for this week.
1: Pro Michael, tips. what have you got? I get asked all the time, what's the best clothing for being out there in the winter? You know, everybody's like, should I buy this or should I get this? Should I wear camouflage? Should I do this and you know I've changed it up over the years over the last I don't know maybe five ten years there's these new companies coming out and I'm calling them camouflage companies they really specialize in clothing people like Kuyu and Sitka that are making garments that are fitted they're super lightweight they do have the camouflage patterns although I don't think most of the places that I photograph I don't know that camouflage is going to hurt or help I don't know. I, I would say that you could wear something bright red and you'd be okay. But the bottom line is, is it's more about the functionality. If you know, when we were doing sharp tails and the grouse stuff, camouflage is very important. So you might as well buy it and then you have it. So if you're in a situation where you don't need it, oh, well, no big deal. You know, 10 years ago, someone would look, you, look at you wearing camouflage and say, <laughs> what planet did you drop in from? Nowadays, it's very common to see anybody wearing camouflage. So it's not like it's a, your fashion statement is fine. But I think that there's just so much functionality and they specialize in so many different things from gaiters to pants to coats to your base layers that are merino wool that really are functional. So for a pro tip, and what I tell people all the time is, take a look at these companies. And a lot of times I'll, I'll, there's some other brands out there too, right? So some of the backpacking brands, which are very technical, but what I find is a lot of these camouflage brands end up being better priced than some of that high-end backpacking t- type of brand. So you get the same functionality at a more reasonable price for the most part, and then you also get the benefit of the camouflage. So that's my tip. Is And the reason I brought that up is people ask me a lot, but then I was photographing with some people up in Alaska this last year. We were filming Moose. And they just recently texted me and said, guess what we got for Christmas? We got some Kuyu coats and they were super excited about it because it's just how lightweight they are, how functional they are. And so I don't know how many people do or don't know about that kind of stuff, but it's very, very, very helpful to have as far as function.
0: It's so packable too, right? I mean, this layering system that these companies have designed and you can, you've got a breathable layer, you've got your shell layer, you've got the rain layer and it's lightweight and you can ball it up. And it's durable enough that you can simply ball it up and throw it in your pack, at the bottom of your pack or whatever, and and it's going to be rugged and ready for wear um, whenever the elements require it. They also have more and more solid colors coming out too, um, and that's something that uh, I've been enjoying for all kinds of applications. There are many situations where I want to wear camouflage for wildlife photography, but as you point out, equally many that don't require it. And if you want to walk into town after, I don't necessarily need to wear my camo into town, right? So these solid colors still have the functionality, just not with the camo, too. And cool.
1: the other thing is, is those Love companies it. also are getting, you know, they're expanding. they got to make money. they got to make their company grow. So they are making backpacks. They're making a lot of little functional kind of bags and things that actually help out, too. So it's a, it's a good place to look and just explore just to see if, if it meets your needs.
0: Hmm. I agree. I've had quite a bit. We have each had one uh, tents made by them too and yep. Yep, they're meant for rugged outdoors uh, adventure so check it out good tip ron what have you got for this week's pro tip
2: i have been well 2018 has seen a ton of advancements in in camera technology you've got the the major companies you got sony of course was already in the mirrorless you got the major companies trying to do more than just dip their toe in it they're They're kind of, it looks like research and development for Canon, Nikon, they're all in. You know, I hesitate to call this a pro tip, but then you've got companies like Panasonic who have have always had like the micro four-thirds sensors in their cameras that are going to come out with full frame in the next year. You've got a lot of, you know, Sony's come out with two new cameras that are phenomenal. You know, Michael went out and got one of those uh, for mirrorless. My tip for right now is just be patient. You know, I I had been looking at the D8, the Nikon D850 for quite a while. Uh, decided to go ahead and make the switch, and it was a big deal at that time. The only way that I was able to do it was I had a buyer for all of my Canon gear. Um, so I did make that switch successfully and with minimal loss financially. Uh, but with all the changes that are coming out right now, and and with more to come. I think a, a person probably just needs to be patient. If you're gonna, you know, if you've got money to invest in your photography, it might be better suited to invest in a trip or invest in a, a workshop or, you know, something else that's that's going to ha- improve your photography rather than jumping on a new camera right now and saving that and, and waiting to see what to, 2019 or at least the beginning of 2019 brings. Uh, I think you can you can take some phenomenal images with older technology for sure. Uh, there are things that the new technology already uh, is changing for all of us, and I think that's you know that's one of the things the show that we did, what well, that you guys did, a few weeks ago with Fuji System. I think you're seeing what others are going to bring to the table, but these advancements are coming at a rapid pace now, and I think that. You know, we're kind of on the cusp of something big. So if you're looking to make a change in your camera system, I would say just, you know, give it another six to eight months and wait to see what's coming. Because I think there what are some do you big know? things coming.
0: What do you know? What are you not telling us? You know, eight, 2018 was an insane year for inventions in the photography world.
2: 2018
0: was insane. Insane. And so... Yeah. I wanted to buy a drone for like two years, and I, I'm so busy with my still photography and this minor dabbling in video and then this dabbling in vlogs and more and more vlog stuff, and that gear is just so cool. A drone, I've been putting it off for the same reason for like a year and a half, because every six months it's like, oh, here's a better one, here's a better one, here, this one does this better. At some point, you've got to decide. At some point I've got to learn how to become a drone dude and buy a drone. So I mean when you do that you're guaranteed no matter when you buy in now with the way technology is working you're going to be you're going to lose the game in 6 months or a year it's going to be dated. But you know if the technology is fulfilling the application you bought it for then you can sit on it for a while right not necessarily have the latest and greatest every around every corner. But, you know, if if what we're doing is social media, then the Osmo Pocket, which I want to hear about guys in a minute, might be just the ticket to do for the next two years. Right. I thought the Osmo 2 last spring was the cat's bleep and and was going to be great. And it is it is great. But now why do I want the Osmo 2 when the Pocket does it all faster and and potentially better, smaller, easier? So now I want the Osmo too. But you're right. I mean, so there's all this delay in being and, and being patient. There's I think there's wisdom to that for sure. But at some point, we've got to you have to decide and, and go with it. And but I think the the thing is to psychologically be content six right. months later with what you've yeah. got, knowing that it's already dated.
2: The decision that you made, right? right. When the when the yeah. seventy megapixel eight K sensor comes out. What do you know? You already what are you not saying? I, I don't know anything. <laughs> I know there's some rumors out there about we'll what's gonna it. happen and it's bound to and happen. I, th- I think that the company that is behind it has the potential to do it. Right. Um, but so I would say be patient.
0: How quickly do we need to switch on to something like that? I mean, honestly, it's it's I'm I'm at that point between the discussion with the mirrorless cameras and the D eight fifty. Mm-hmm. I, You know, if I hadn't heard about the capabilities of these mirrorless cameras, and first and foremost, what you see is what you get through the electronic <laughs> viewfinder, craziness. If I hadn't heard about that, I would still be 110% ecstatic with my D850 and what it's doing. Even compared to the pro cameras I've had before, it's the hands down the best camera I personally have shot. I'm happy with it. But then I'm tantalized by what the mirrorless cameras can do and so do I take the risk invest in it and experiment and see I mean I'm grateful that Michael bought that Sony and I want to hear more about it you know over the weeks ahead and stuff and how it's working out for him it's on my radar but yeah it's a good point Ron I mean we do have to be wise about what we invest in you know ultimately these this whole your whole kit is expensive it's not mm-hmm. cheap I mean even the Osmo pocket you know it's not expensive for what it's capable of doing, but it's a lot more expensive than the Osmo was, mind you. We had a smartphone that we had to sister onto it, but you kind of have to with the Pocket too for for advanced right. programming, right? So, yeah, there's wisdom to that, but I, I I'm arguing it just a tiny bit because it's like at some point you've got to pull the pin and you've got to you do get in the game, and, right?
2: And you know the the knock on some of those other companies, you know, like Sony, is that they don't have branded lenses you know, specifically for wildlife, but 400 is the longest lens that they have currently. But Sigma just came out with what potentially is the most diverse lens out there in the wildlife market. They came out with a 60 to 600 and they are going to have it in a Sony mount.
0: How does that review from end to end? I mean, I, I've always steered away from I
2: anything have, but the Yeah. The top and I've companies. read a couple and I have the opportunity to, to test that lens. You know, that's something that we may do a vlog on and, uh, you know, depending on how it comes out as far as image quality, but it's comparable, supposedly comparable in image quality to the 120 to 300 sport lens that both Michael and Doug use for video, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, you know, I've had nothing but good about that. Ones. Ones. You know, I yeah. I find it hard to believe that a 60 to a 600, 600 is going right. to cover it, but it the way the technology is going, I mean… The smaller yeah. you can make your kit, the better off you're going to be. And, man, can you imagine having that kind of coverage when you're out shooting something? And exactly. being able to get the wide, 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 or not wide, 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 but fairly wide to super tight is pretty sweet.
2: Yeah, I think it's a 6.3 on the long end, so you do lose a little bit of light. But, again, with the sensor technology and ISO performance, that matters less and less. You know, those two-thirds of a stop. Don't matter as much as it would have five years ago.
0: What well, about the glass? though? I mean, i I've always, I'm not going to mention company names, but there are some that I that have these super telephotos from a fairly wide right. range to the high end, as far as a big millimeter up to 600. And I've, I mean, I personally have been reluctant to trust in the glass compared to Nikon or Canon. I,
2: any, I agree. Any conversation I the, on that. The 200 to 500 is tested better. Throughout the full range than any of those 150s to six 150 to 600s that are out currently. Okay. Um, it, it continually tests better, and this one the claim is that end to end it's it's tack sharp. So that is going to be Mike's next week's pro tip. Well, those
1: yeah. Those of you that
2: can't see, he's got the bamboo back scratcher going.
1: It's that dry <laughs> air in Colorado. <laughs>
0: Well, that's cool. I, I, I think there's a lot of merit to your perspective, Ron. It's just I, I at the same time it's it I feel the frustration because there's too much advancement coming too quickly. I wanna I wanna I wanna get a drone and, and invest if it's gonna be two thousand dollars, I wanna feel like my investment was worth it for the next two years. Right? And then it will be for social media, but right. You know, what's I think happen- for
2: us as photographers though, this is the best case scenario because now you've got four or five companies that are kind of competing. Who's going to be the first to get it out? You know what I mean? Where before it was, you know, you'd have one version come out and then three years, four years later, you'd have the next version of technology come out. And now it's coming out so fast. It's and dizzying. I, man. It, it is.
0: Yeah. Look at the Osmo. Look at the DG, DJI. Came out with Osmo 2 last spring. Dropped the price down, I think, to 130 or $140 because there were four or five things on the market, other manufacturers, knockoffs that looked almost identical, that claimed to be pulling it off. So, every, so they dropped their price down. And because of that pressure across the marketplace. But nobody knew they had this pocket brewing in the background that was going to bump all of those off, right? <laughs> game, of, game of chess. So the guy comes in, no, we don't need any of those smartphone gimbals anymore. We've got the pocket. And at three times the price, winner, winner for the company right so but yeah crazy yeah. times trying to decide what to do that way okay so
1: it always all all goes back to what's the best camera it's the one you have with you right
2: yeah so and that's exactly At the end of right. the day
1: you can i still have old cameras i shoot and they get they work for what i'm doing right so unless i'm going to go out and try to do some sort of billboard thing with my old cameras i'm pretty much going to have it covered so just keep mm-hmm. that in mind too i mean it's more about producing the content than it is the gear we talk about the gear a lot and it is cool and it's fun but don't ever get discouraged because you're shooting something old because you can still get a spectacular image or something that nobody's ever seen amen becomes just as valuable
0: well what's and it's about the experience right it's being out there it's about the experience my highlights for 2018 are the experiences that we had not the gear that i had in my hand it was a tool we just want to make sure we have the best tool to give us the best results most often, but yeah, it's the experience. So yeah, being out there and, and in wilderness for us is, is where it's at. So my pro tip for this week is i uh, I'll keep it short and sweet is watching your white balance and being aware of white balance settings in cameras. And I mean, it's, it's amazing now that we can play with that after the fact with software as well. In Photoshop and in, in the camera raw we can adjust the white balance look of the images when we're when we're processing them but you know it took me years as a pro I'm embarrassed to say this it took me years to realize white balance was relevant in digital photography uh, it clearly was when we shot film because you bought the brand of film that gave you the color saturation and white balance that had the most market appeal for me that was Fuji Chrome Bell 50 But when everything came digital, it was a matter of managing these sensors to produce the quality of sharpness, color, white balance, all the attributes of a high-quality, marketable image. And I didn't realize for the longest time, I just kept my white balance on daylight. So I had all these coolish photos, coolish, bluish tinge photos that I had to work in post-processing to bring up in saturation and color to that Velvea-like look that I knew at that time the general marketplace for publishing uh, aspired to and what they looked for for color. It was funny. I was on the roadside filming Bears many years ago, and a good buddy of mine was talking to another photographer about six feet away from me. And I was just looking at something on my camera for a moment, and he told this other photographer, Joey, you know who I'm talking about if you're out there, brother. He told the other photographer, get it on cloudy white balance. And I'm like, huh, okay. (laughs) So I I dialed back my camera, changed my white balance to cloudy, and just took a picture of the trees, you know. Let's see what this does. And bingo, Velvia was back, just like that. (laughs) So, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that. It was many years ago now, but for years, I was shooting everything on daylight, And now the one time that I will, so on overcast lighting for now through the day, I always shoot on cloudy white balance, always through the day. If it's sunny in the morning and evening, I still am cloudy for the most part, but those first, the first part of the day on a clear day, first hour, hour and a half, and the last hour, hour and a half, when the light has a tendency to go orange with the sunset or the sunrise, then I'll switch back to daylight. Uh, because I don't want that exaggerated with the cloudy. Cloudy will take that off the charts and the pictures are no good, but we still have that saving grace that we can we can uh, repair it and fix it in post-processing if we make that error with white balance now. But be aware of white balance, experiment with it, get in the field, look at your camera, do it in, in a situation where you know you have the time, maybe it's just a landscape and you can play with it, play with the white balance and see the effects of it. But in cloudy conditions, overcast conditions through the day, For, in my opinion, for my marketing style, for the publishing world, Cloudy White Balance is where it's at. So rolling into this week's question of the week, I get this all the time, have for decades, and it's happening more and more often on social media. So I just want to throw it out there and answer it quickly. People want to know how close we get to our subjects. And it comes out most frequently with the big mammals. You know, if it's a bear, a grizzly bear, or a big bull moose, there are definitely those people who are intimidated by these large animals or very cautious around them. And it's smart to be cautious around these big animals and understand their behavior and the space required. That being said, with the telephoto lenses that we use and the large digital sensors in these cameras, we can always maintain a safe distance, you know, in, in a lot of places we film i mean when we're in a national park which is just a portion of the time I and mean, i prefer to often be in very remote places where we just get dropped in and nobody's around and do what we need to do but the same protocol is in place in national parks a lot of them the rule is 25 yards from a large mammal not from a predator like a grizzly bear obviously you've got to be much further than that but let's say a a moose or a caribou or an elk I am never 25 yards from one of these big animals on purpose. So with these telephoto lenses, it's easy to compose at 50 yards at 500 millimeters and get a fantastic close shot. And we can also obviously pan back with some of these zooms and get an environmental portrait. So we don't need to be close, even though it looks very intimate in the photos that we produce. We're not as close thanks to these telephotos. The other thing I want to point out about distance from an animal when photographing it, and this is more of a hack than a tip, is the further you are from the animal, the more natural it will behave and the better, trust me, the better the images will be. Especially if there's more than one animal and you have the chance to get them interacting, feeding, sparring, who knows what they're going to do. Pay attention to them at all times even at a distance, and even if it's an environmental portrait, you just don't know what they're going to do. When you're there in the field, it's that opportunity. The light's good, the animal's there, the landscape's there. Don't stop and chat. Don't stop and check your email or your social media. (laughs) Stay in the the game because at any given moment, something magical could happen behavior-wise with those animals, and if you're watching, you'll get the photo. And so being a little further away from them, in fact, you know, I try to be as far away as I can from my subject while still close enough to to compose quality, intimate portraits. So whatever that distance might be for the camera equipment to be as far away as possible, because, again, they're going to behave more naturally and give better images of interaction that will appeal to everybody or to a much broader audience than the simple portrait. So quickly, guys, if you don't mind, I'm going to do this until over the next couple of weeks. Sorry, you want to throw something in there, Ron?
2: Yeah, I was just going to add to that a little bit. Sure. There there are times when those animals, you know, as far as you try to stay away from them, you also want to avoid moving too quickly. And there are times where the animals will close the distance themselves. And that, a person has to be really cautious. I mean, uh, Doug just put a video up on his facebook feed and it was of he he was filming uh, some fishing coyotes on assignment in yellowstone national park and all of a sudden a herd of bison you know closed the distance on him and he actually left his camera gear behind and uh, made his way back out of the way of the of the herd you know there's there's been times i talked in one of our early podcasts about getting surprised by a a bull elk that was right behind me I thought it was another photographer coming up to my location and ended up being a bull elk I just heard you know rocks turning so there are are those times and those are the times where you've got to be really cautious you know we talk about behavior all the time last thing you want to do is jump up and jump to your feet and startle that animal because you're going to put yourself and the animal in a bad situation so while they may close the distance that's not generally our intent and you kind of work your way out of that situation but do it slowly again you always want the animal acting naturally you don't want to stress them at all but there are times where you have to you have to make a change and have to decide how you what the best way is out of that situation
0: definitely yep common sense has to rule there and yet uh, cautious movements slow movements are always important so i need to follow up for my own interest you two dudes have the pocket the osmo pocket which i'm itching to order but i haven't yet any more field time with them this week any more reviews to give a thumbs up or thumbs down since i last asked you
2: i for me i had trouble getting the first one to uh, to register Mm -hmm. and it just never would and again they you know i said this last week they didn't offer any customer support so they just said take it back Um, return it because it's a defective unit so I did that I got yesterday actually got the uh, replacement and within 10 seconds of connecting that thing activated and it's running real smooth and you know I know Michael touched on this a little bit last week already but the the ease of use for this thing you can set the tracking mode just by swiping your finger and you tell it what you want it to lock onto, and it stays on that until, you know, if something comes between, then it'll lose that tracking, but as long as it's got the ability to stay focused on that subject, it's locked on.
0: I guess, I, I guess I'll place my order. Yeah, I, I didn't have anything blogging. to
1: add to it, really. But one thing that I do find is I take it everywhere. It is so small, you just put it in your pocket, and you always have it, right? So that's a big win right there for sure and then i did look we talked last week too about the accessories and they're still not available but when they become available i think that's going to change a lot of people's opinions because it is clunky to be having to have your phone hooked up to it but when it's bluetooth accessible i think it's going to make a big change so those are the two things that i have been keeping up with this week one is it's always with me and number two is I can't wait for those accessories to come out because I think it'll make it that much better.
0: The company I was going to place the order through here in Canada is already offering the accessories as a package for an additional $150. So I don't know if you've seen that. And the three accessories, I think one was a stand, one was a a roller uh, that attaches on the side, and then the Bluetooth capability was the third functional piece, I believe. Yeah. But there was a pre-order state.
2: Yeah, you can order them here as well, but they're still on... Back yeah. order because they haven't been released so so
1: like through bnh you can just go in i didn't pre-order it i basically just clicked on it and said just notify me when they're available okay i, I would think that they're going to come out with huge numbers so it's not going to be hard to get it's just a matter of when's it coming out
0: what did you put both of you or did it come with this or what size of mini sd card did you install on yours just for out of curiosity given the 4k 60 capability of this camera the gimbal
2: i I just got a couple of uh 128 gigabyte microSDs oh, really? are they're pretty reasonably priced so okay. I just got a couple of those and that I you know a 256 I think you could get a 256 also I don't know how much more they would be but I I just thought I'd grab a couple of those and
0: I saw 32s and 64s offered through this company and that didn't add up to me at 4K
2: not at
1: 4k yeah i'm i have a 64 and it's not too bad i mean if you're going to be shooting all day with it you better have three or four of them but okay if i haven't filled up the one that i have yet the 64 the one thing you do want to pay attention to is get the fastest card you can don't settle for just like going to costco and oh they have them for 30 bucks and i think you do want to get the extreme pro if you're buying the sandisk version or if you're buying the what is it Lexar or some of the other ones you just want to make sure you're getting the fastest card out there
0: now with SD cards I'm aware of that is that also the play the way it's set up for mini SD you can get those variable speed ones yep it's not just the one okay so there's a whole I didn't realize a variety that way as well yeah good point guys that's a yeah there's some
2: super cheap options like 10 bucks but you you don't want to go nowhere
0: going nowhere slowly, right? So this week we're in for a treat. Michael is going to show us how to use the app that everybody who has an iPhone has right at their fingertips called iMovie. Before we get into our main main segment, we're going to learn how to create a teaser trailer, an iMovie, how to watermark, and a few other tips along the way. Michael Morrow has shown me a couple of videos that he's made through the iMovie app on his iPhone or on a smartphone and why this is of interest is no matter where you are filming with your phone or your Osmo Pocket or whatever you're using, your GoPro, to be able to put these clips into iMovie and within 15 minutes come out with a video that you can set to music if you want to show your friends and family is just phenomenal technology so easy to do nowadays and so we're going to help tutor or Michael is going to help tutor everybody on how to get up to speed and do this so that when you go on a trip whether it's whale watching or you're out filming whatever animal might be or maybe you're just playing with the dog in the fresh snowfall and you're doing this video and slow-mo and all these things you're playing with to put it together in iMovie and to make a quick clip that you can email or text to your friends and family is awesome. So, Michael, introduce us to that before we get into the comparisons between shooting stills and video in the real world. I'm grabbing my iPhone, and Uh I am turning it on. So, people, we won't give you too much time to get up to speed here, but you do have that option to pause the podcast for a moment, get your smartphone, sit down, turn it on. If you don't have it already, well, you should have iMovie, actually. And what am I talking about? If you have an iPhone, it's automatically programmed on. Open the iMovie app. Are you on board, Ron? Are you playing?
1: Got it. All right. So one of um, the problems is, right away, is, is like everybody's, everybody's like, where, where's iMovie? How, where do I find it? What's the icon? What's, I don't even know. And on mine, sometimes I have a hard time finding it. So the easiest way to do is to swipe right from your main screen. And you get a little search window and just type in iMovie. And that little icon appears and it's the fastest way to get to that app. So that's what you want to do first and foremost is get that app opened. And then when it opens, you see you get some choices where you get across the top. It has video projects in theater. And you can look at your old projects that you've done and you can also add a new project. So there's a couple things to do. The first one is you can use templates that they've built in there that make it a lot of fun because they're just, everything's all there. All you have to do is have enough footage to tell that story based off of what the template is asking you for. So I'm just going to do that. I'm going to go in and when you click the plus sign, it asks, do you want to make a movie or do you want to make a trailer? Sorry, Hold on. I'm looking at my video
0: projects in theater. And I've got all these horizontal videos from my library running across the screen,
1: right? Okay, let me show me on the screen, your screen. Just show it. Okay. So where do I go from here
0: if I've got the main page open? Click
2: on projects, Mark.
0: Click on projects in the center. Okay, got it.
2: And then you should see the plus sign.
0: I do. I see the big plus in the top left. Yep. I hit the plus.
1: Hit the plus. New project. Got the new project. And you can choose a movie or a trailer. The easiest one to do is the trailer because that is the one that has all the templates right in it. And then it has the music I already chose. It has the graphics I already chose. Everything's in there. So it, that's the, if you're just new to this, that's the one you want to start with because it basically just spells it out for you. So go ahead and just hit trailer. So we'll do trailer first. Yep. Maybe we do trailer
0: this week and movie next week.
1: Yeah. If- Well, and we can touch on movie, because a lot of what you're going to learn by doing these templates, you apply in the movie,
0: too. I'm going to do a Bollywood wildlife video trailer.
1: Well, see, that's the cool thing right here, right? So you can go in, and you look at all these, and it's like, huh, there's all these little different ones. So I've done one where we were out in the backcountry, and it more... It was like an adventure thing, so I'm not going to choose family or retro or any of that. I'm going to go for the Adrenaline or the Expedition. Okay. And All right, expedition. Let's, no, let's do that. Which oh, one? Which one? <laughs> um, I, I, either for the type of stuff that we shoot when we're out in the woods, I would say the Adrenaline or the Expedition template are the best ones to do. So let's just do Expedition. Okay, we're doing Expedition. Everybody an Expedition. Okay, And then you click on that, and then in the upper right, it says create.
0: Yes, click on that. But
1: before you hit create, you can look at the screen, it shows expedition, and then it'll say this will work for two to six cast members. So if you have a group of people out there with you and you have two to six people, this is the perfect template because it's going to tell you it's so amazing when you look at it. You hit create, and it comes up with the title. Yeah. And you guys cast. get this whole cast of stuff. And this is where you start putting everybody's information in. So whoever's with you, you put their names in, you can add or subtract, you title it. So it, mine came up saying the quest. Well, that's not the yes. title that we're going to choose. You just okay. tap right next to the quest, delete it yes. and add your own. Okay. <clears throat> so you basically can do whatever you want to do. What's important for this is. Sometimes it'll put graphics in throughout the trailer and at, ver- at the very end, when you see that classic movie premiere or movie preview graphics screen, when you go to an actual movie, mm-hmm. it creates one of these and all these templates. So at the very end, you're going to get this really cool little, you can put who the producer was or who the film company was. And you just make all that stuff up and you just do something about your friends or you do something about the trip or you do something about the location. And it just adds a lot of validity to to what you're doing. So, and you can fill this out at any time. Don't feel like you got to fill it all in right now. Um, You can say, well, I'll I'll think about that once I see. Because if this is the first time you're doing it, you're not going to know exactly how this stuff is going to get used. So you could skip this part and just go in to start editing. Or you can go ahead and fill it down. If it's really, if it's basic information, you already know what it is. Go ahead and put it in there and, and you're good to go. All right, so I'm calling mine wildlife video one. There you go.
0: And I'm putting in Michael, gender, male. Yep. (laughs) It says that there. I'm not making this up. I don't know why that's relevant, but here. Okay, Ron, gender. I'm going to change that to male. Thank you. And, And because we might have something with Tyler, I can find him in videos, and I'll do Tyler for male. Okay.
1: Yep, studio. Well, and then you put yeah, yourself right. in there too. Did you put yeah. yourself in there? No, I didn't. See, but yeah. there's only three. I can do. Well, a plus. see where I that plus, plus, plus and minus.
0: Yeah, I got it. Came in at the top. Automatically programmed Stella female. I'm going to change that. Mark, male, M-A-L-E.
1: Okay, moving yep. on. All right. So then, that's the outline part of it. Now you above that little graphic screen, you will see it says outline or storyboard, right? Yes. So then you go to storyboard. Okay. And then you see this cool little thing that shows you what kind of shots it's looking for based off of the film trailer that you're going to produce. So, and you see how it has an icon right there that has a little red line through it? And that's one person standing there. And then the next one over is the one person standing there. And the next one over is one person standing there. So my guess is that's where they're going to introduce the characters of your little film. And then you go down to the next one and it has a group of people. And then you go to a little bit wider shot of a single person. Then you go to a close-up shot. <clears throat> so the cool thing about this is it gives you an idea how a professional would edit a trailer for a little piece, right? So, or if they're doing a movie and they have to produce this little trailer, this is a lot of times the, the format that they'll choose. Just to, they got to introduce the characters. They got to show the environment. And then they got to tell a little bit about the story. And that's exactly what this little template is doing for you, which in my mind, when you, if you don't shoot a lot of video, it really helps because you do have to do all these establishing shots. And then you have to tell people what you tell them what they're seeing, show them what they're seeing, and then play it for them as far as getting a really good quality video. So this is basically laying it it all for you. Yeah, we were going
0: to talk about this in the main segment about the difference between shooting still photos and video today, but this is important right here. I right. Mean, you, you need all these different perspectives from tight shots to environmental portraits, right, to create the kind of storyboard or storyline that you want for your film.
1: Yeah, so just to jump in, so you click on that very first little icon that has a, it says it needs to be 1.1 seconds. Okay. And I didn't name mine, but it's so yours would probably be, if you're the first person, it says Mark. So you click on that. And then now you go in and you try to find a video of Mark that is close to that little thumbnail. It's like a three quarter length shot. It's waist up, shows a little bit of the area and it shows the person. So that'd be whatever you can find in your video library that resembles that little icon is the kind of shot that you want to throw in there to make this little template work for you to tell the proper story. Now, you don't have to follow this template 100%. You can deviate anytime you want. And you might not have that perfect shot of Mark or Ron or Michael or whatever. So sometimes you have to cheat a little bit and just say, oh, this one will work. Or maybe I'll throw in a grizzly bear because they were part part of the shoot. And um, I don't have a good picture of Michael, so I'm going to throw in the bear. And then you always have a chance to go in and edit this stuff so you can start throwing shots in and then you can come back and say, oh, that didn't work at all. And then you can change it. So once you click on that little icon, it comes up with all the videos. Then you find your videos. And at the very top, it says all. That's going to show you all the videos that you have on your phone. And it just kind of lists them out. On mine, it's listing them out by uh, date. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. If
0: it's only 1.1 seconds, can you select a photo or should you still do a video?
1: No, you can do a photo too. But um, the, but I guess let's stay with the video. And if you go find, okay. just find a shot of somebody that is, that kind of resembles that icon. Okay. And then the cool thing is, is when you, so you, let's say you shot a 30 second video clip but you know you're only going to need 1.1 seconds for the template that we're following yes you find someone in there and you say okay there's a here's a video clip that'll work you click on it when you click on it then you get these little yellow lines that right there is going to be the 1.1 seconds that they're pulling so if you put your thumb on that you can start scrolling or scrubbing through the video to find that perfect shot that you think is going to work to introduce that character into your trailer so once you've done that and you see that little plus sign and a play sign that plus sign is what actually adds it right into the video oh
0: i see got it yeah okay
1: boom now you're well on your way to editing this whole trailer and it's so cool right because it's just telling you exactly how this thing's gonna go down and it's t- saying these are the kind of shots i need so oh, he's oh there it is okay isn't that cool i mean you <laughs> I just didn't... get so much i mean so i've done this out in the woods when we're all out doing stuff and it's kind of fun because we get back to camp or whatever and i'll show somebody a video and they're like how did you do that and it's really it's not rocket science it's just picking up your phone and doing it nice. it's super fast you, you could go through and populate all these little thumbnails and be done in about 15 minutes and then make, you know, tweak it and fine tune it and uh and you're good to go. So that's pretty I much did. it. I mean, you just I don't think we want to spend a lot of time going through all these, but know. No, just that's, know that's... it's super easy and once you've got that all filled in and provided you filled in your that outline properly, you're pretty much done. When you got it all filled in, you can hit play and you can just watch that whole video play throughout and you know, ask yourself, did that accomplish was that a good story about today? Did that tell the story of how my day went or how my, my shoot went or whatever? And if it is, you're good. Export it and you're good to go for social media. You're good to go for Facebook. You're good to go for sending it, texting it to your friends. It's, all, it's super cool.
0: Well, let's, let's pretend we're on a cooking show where we've talked about the ingredients and how to make this. And all of a sudden, we're showing the finished dinner so, or the finished meal we're not going to take the time to populate all this. People can do that on their own now that we know how to open this. And you've played it, and maybe you've gone back and you've touched on a couple and and replaced those clips to improve it, and you've played it again, you like it. Then you want to save it to your video library, just to conclude here. Right. How do you do that? I assume it's not automatic. So once you've played it... When
1: you hit done... Yes. See how it says, Wildlife video one, that's what you called yours, right? Yes. So now it's saved. It's in there. When you hit done, it's there. And then you can always go back. Now you could always delete it. If you look at the bottom of the screen, you can hit trash. You can be, you can look at it and say, well, that's not what I was going for and just trash it and start over. But basically by hitting done, that saves it.
0: That saves it. And so can you open this and play with it in future? If you want to change it, you want to add to it? Yeah. Once, yeah. you, once you hit done, it's always, you've saved it, but you can still manipulate it further in iMovie at a later date if you want to switch yep. it around.
1: Yeah, that little awesome. button that's edit button right below. So yes. let's say we go out and we do uh, our little grouse trip again this year. I might do a trailer from that little grouse trip, but then we go and do we do muskox, and then we go shoot pumas in Argentina. You know, Maybe at the end of the year, I want a whole trailer that represents a whole year, so then I could just modify that one. To represent the whole year instead of one right. particular shoot. So yeah, it's super cool. It's I don't know that many people that actually do it. But with today's social media world and being able to share just a little experience and have fun with it, there's really no more effective or better way to do it than that. Now, I don't know if we need to get into the whole movie side of things. That's the trailer. But let's say you went in there and you wanted to create a movie. It's basically the same steps, only there is no templates. This is where you are relying on what you shot and your storytelling ability in your head to put it all together. And I think we can talk about that as part of our main topic and just know that those same techniques to get that, that trailer populated, you're going to do the same thing in iMovie, only it's not doing anything for you. You're going to have to go choose your own music. You're going to have to choose your own clips. You're going to have to choose your own sound. You're going to have to choose everything as far as what you need to and tell that story. And then there's no time limit. There,
2: That there. part isn't, isn't uh, very bad. And the timeline adjustments are pretty easy to do. The transitions are, are easy to switch. Um, that's what I just did uh, last night I was laying okay. around. I, I found a bunch of old, uh, just some clips that were pretty amateurish compared to, you know, the, the BBC film guys. i found Bobcats that I wouldn't do anything else with. So I took those, put them together in the movie and just threw a short compilation up on my Instagram feed.
1: Now, the, you know how we all copyright our stuff, right? Whenever we put up a picture, because there are so many people that take in pictures and they share it on their own feed, and most of the time we're not against that happening. It's just when you don't get a credit that you're kind of against it. But if you're putting up a clip that doesn't have a copyright on it, you know, someone could potentially take that and say, oh, I shot that. So in iMovie, you can actually go in there and put your little copyright on there, too. So just note that that exists too. So if you wanted to take a,
2: did not know that.
1: Yeah. So you could throw a little copyright run right at the bottom and, or in the middle or whatever. And the same thing as we do with still you can change the opacity, you can change the color, you can put it anywhere on the screen that you want to do it. Just a powerful little tool that allows you to make use of that footage right away. Now, you said something earlier, Mark, where you said if you have footage from your GoPro or footage from your whatever, you can import that footage. And what I do for that is I use the airdrop feature because nine times out of ten, that footage is going to be on my laptop. I'll open up my phone. I'll open up my laptop. Select the airdrop as one window and then where I'm going to pull that f- footage from and the other window and I'll drag and drop it onto my phone So then I have those video clips to use as part of my library So it doesn't have to always be everything you shot with your iPhone now mm-hmm. the only one thing that I'm not sure about and I would need to try it out and I'm sure I've had to do it But I just can't remem- remember what I did I'm not sure that this program will allow you to edit and I think Ron you asked me about this today You can't edit a .mov; it needs to be a .mp4 to be editable. So you could just go into QuickTime on your computer, open a .mov on QuickTime, export it out as a .mp4, then drag it to your phone, and then yeah, and if you
2: already if you already have them on your phone, I found an app today that it it took about five seconds per clip to convert it from .mov to .mp4.
1: And then so once just, it's there, your is that app? Go.
2: Um,
1: it's Ron's it? favorite video app. The, um, it's the just, AirDrop it's just called, is phenomenal, you
0: know. And 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 I, I had a friend I taught that last week. He had pictures or video on his phone. He wanted them on his laptop. He want, and so he didn't realize he could do that. So it's just a matter of turning on your Bluetooth and your Wi-Fi on both devices. And then you can do the search, same thing, top right window, hit that little magnifying glass, to search and type in airdrop, and it'll come up and recognize your local devices. And sometimes you have to change the setting from, you know, contacts to everyone, but you can change that back when you're done if you want to, to share the airdrop between devices. But it's definitely the way to go. So easy and so fast.
2: App is called MOVP4. There you go. Cool. Okay. So it was just a quick little conversion, and it, it's free. And it seemed to do a pretty good job. I mean, the, the quality of what came up on Instagram wasn't the same as what was going across my screen. But I don't know if that's from Instagram compression or if that's because of the conversion.
1: I looked at that so, clip that you put up, and it looked fine on my phone. So it could have been just the yeah. compression when during the upload.
2: Yeah.
0: So just in closing that, I mean, this is a super user-friendly app that people, you just got to, you have to play with it. and. And put stuff together and you will amaze your friends and family with your videos, your trailers, or your iMovies that you make. I just wanted to quickly ask for clarity then, when it comes to watermarking the video clip that you create, whether it's a trailer or iMovie, for those that want to watermark it for social media application, is that just something that you can find readily in the menu on it?
1: Yeah, let me see. Uh you know, I use this stuff all the time, and then I never remember how to do it until I go back in and do it. So I did one. I did the moose rut that we put up on our Instagram feed not too long ago, and I wanted Which my little. Crazy crazy. yeah, on our
0: wild and exposed Instagram feed. If you check that out and you watch the moose video that Michael put up when he was on this rock filming from his iPhone as these two female moose compete for the affection of the bull, it's phenomenal behavior. And I don't know. Last time I looked, I think it had seventeen thousand views or something. It was um a great clip. So check that out. But go on go on, Mike. Sorry.
1: Yeah. I think that's just one of those behaviors that people just don't get to see, right? Which Well
0: and the audio on it too. You could hear the cows. Yeah. You know, and the hoof pounding and he was in a wallow pit, made the wall I mean, it was just the epitome of rutting action for Northern Moose. Yep. It was pretty amazing. Very cool. So
1: to answer your question,
0: so a watermark
1: let's say you just went out and shot a clip of a bird at a bird feeder or you shot a bull elk running through a field or you shot a alligator swimming through a waterway in Florida they, and you want to put that clip I, up, but you want to have your copyright on it. So you just make a movie, you go in and you select movie, you select that one clip. that's all you need. and when you put that clip in there, it shows up as one video timeline with just one clip in it. You tap on that video clip, the one that you have that you've imported, whether it's the alligator, the bird or whatever. Once you got a little yellow highlight around that clip, you get all these options down at the bottom. So you can cut it, you can mess with the sound, you can add text, you can put color to it. So what I did is I just went in and clicked the text box or the little text icon and then it even gives you a bunch of little options for the style of text that you want to put in there. So you just select that. And once you select that, then you can go in and type in whatever, you, whatever you want to type, and then you can select, do you just want Like if it's something where you're just identifying a place. Oh, I shot this at the Florida Everglades. You don't want that on for the whole video. Maybe you just want it at the very beginning. So you can select the amount of time that that text is on there too. Now, if you're copywriting something and you just want your name on it for the whole length of the clip, you just stretch and drag it so that it runs the length of that clip. Super easy to do. And it's it's a great way to just get a little credit for the stuff that you're shooting that might get a lot of traction out there. And you just want to have people know that you shot that or you saw that and... you're putting it out there for people
0: look at barrett last year with his otter sliding in the winter i mean it was millions of views across all these platforms and i know he got a lot of credit for it but if i remember correctly there was there was no watermark on it that would have been beneficial even in the corner just to say his name
1: well and that thing ran on tv on broadcast tv and yeah so if you had a little a little watermark on there yeah, that and not to knock him, I mean,
0: true. we're all learning as we go, uh, and we're sharing this information, and so we can all be up to speed on it, so it was a great video, and, and I'm glad it did so well f- for him in, in that case, but, you know, future definitely want to have a name on it for when it does go viral like that, but we all hope the videos will do. Yep. So can you do that, so when you create the movie, and you have all these templates filled in, would you have to put the watermark on each segment, or can you stitch them all together and do it once at, upon completion at the end?
1: You know, I've never done it with a whole bunch of clips. I've always just done this if I'm just going to take out one clip. I would assume that you'd be able to add a layer of text that goes over the whole... If you have a bunch of different clips that are tied together or butted up against each other. When I was just messing
2: with it, there there's four different clips in that uh, Bobcat video that I just put up. And when I was just messing with it, it looks like you have to tap on each one individually. But again, I... There's probably a tutorial out there in YouTube that would tell you how to carry it over, so it could be consistent.
0: What what Bobcat video did you just pull up? I didn't. I haven't seen that. What are you talking about?
2: On Instagram. Today? Uh, Just yeah, just
0: Uh, on your feed. Uh huh. All right. Where did people go? It was
2: just a lot of uh, so Ron Hayes underscore WWI. Is my Instagram and theme. if they
0: probably just search Ron Hayes, I should it'll probably come up too. Yeah, they probably find room, it. Find it that way, uh, which I haven't seen that yet. Okay,
2: cool. And it was just an iMovie, and the the music options are limited, but I think you can you can bring music in from your iTunes. I just want to be careful with that for copyright reasons for the music. So I just used sure. one of the ones that they had available for the template. The yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that's cool. Now that we're talking about it, and people can go into your Instagram feed and dig back a little bit and, and see that video that you made in iMovie. Maybe we can each try and get something up in the next week or so on there too from iMovie. But it's just a great show and tell.
1: Mm-hmm. It least, is. Uh, video is so much more complicated just because there's so many more steps when you're shooting an external video camera you're not shooting on your phone. And it. I think a lot of people don't put up video because it seems hard, but it's really not that hard. Yeah, it's not as easy as just taking a picture and throwing it up, but there's not that many more steps where you can actually throw up a little video, and nowadays, people want to see video. I don't know about you guys, but when I go to Instagram, a lot of times, I'll go to the Instagram stories just because a lot of them are video, and a lot of times, for me, it tells a a pretty cool little story about whoever's doing whatever out in the world.
0: Yes. Yes especially certain ones I get there's certain people who do a good job of it and when I see they've posted a new story then I definitely check it out And yep. so more and more of those all the time and more people are engaging with that platform too so this leads me into the, my next subject matter for today's podcast that we can just spin right into uh, that won't take too long but creating these vlogs I mean this is what's trending it's just a short you think um, vlog is a short video clip of whatever content you want to create and, we're, and we've just elaborated, and Michael has, on how to do it with iMovie app on your smartphone, on your iPhone. But, you know, when you think about this stuff nowadays for successful vlogs, and this is monstrous across various platforms, YouTube especially. When you think about style, I mean, there are different styles that are successful, and it depends, again, what the content is that people are showing. But, you know, as far as what you guys would suggest... You know, what's a good length for a vlog if you're putting one up on YouTube? Or what should people do for a number of clips? I mean, it doesn't make sense usually, unless it's something like what you had, Michael, with those moose where you just want to watch for two minutes and see what happens, what unfolds. But typically, you cut and paste a whole bunch of different clips together to tell the story to make a better vlog. Through, and that's those transitions are where these clips meet, Correct. Correct. And then you would you have the opportunity to place audio over it, soundtracks, et cetera, like Rhonda pointed out, and some of those are free through iMovie as well. So any hacks on how to create a vlog as far as length? I mean, what we've been doing, I've learned a couple of things. We're, we're evolving with this, and it's kind of new and exciting. Well, it is new and exciting, but what we started with, you know, we wanted to have my philosophy was a two-minute vlog was going to be great because everybody's busy people are in transit, so maybe they're going to watch the vlog while they're on the subway coming back from work, or maybe they have a couple of minutes between some task and another where they're going to watch a vlog. If they turn on a YouTube channel and see that it's a 45-minute commitment, even though they can pause and start it again later, my thinking was that people wouldn't watch it, or at least not, you know, how many people make it through to the end. So we came up with this idea of having these shorter vlogs, and it also matched up with social media like instagram better because at this point in time and in beginning of 2019 you can still only put up a one minute or 59 second i'm not exactly sure duration vlog on instagram and the story is even shorter mind you and i think this is something new depending on the number of followers you have on instagram maybe not but you can make the whole story up there by having these segments now right it just loads up the whole thing instead of just that 10 or 15 second clip and then done. So on the stories, it's now possible to go longer. So we were doing these two-minute vlogs. Now here's a little insider YouTube hack that our good buddy Doug illuminated to me a couple weeks ago, or to us on a podcast, is that when we want to get traction on YouTube, you know, it's tricky. And I, I think the right answer is having vlogs of different lengths. So we have some short ones that engage people who... who don't want to commit a lot of time but we also have some long ones so that people who have the opportunity want to see more content and more of a continuous show can watch that and the benefit to the longer videos is the amount of view time on youtube and the youtube channel is something that we all want to see grow but what's important is the viewed minutes as well so if we only have a two minute video clip or vlog and a hundred people watch it that's 200 minutes of viewing time. But if that was 20 minutes and only 10 people watched it, you would have the same traction. So it's good to have some longer ones because we need those viewing minutes, or anybody does, who wants their YouTube channel to grow. You know, it's not just the number of clips, the number of subscribers, the number of thumbs up, but the viewing minutes. You know, it's something we've talked about here with our podcast team is, you know, where to go forward with this. And I, some of our, our more recent vlogs are a little longer, and I know the awesome ones that Doug put up with Michael and doing the elk rut and Ron with the grouse likes check those out on our channel you know a couple of those are five or six minutes long still easily watchable but for somebody who's interested in growing their YouTube channel has tripled the number of viewing minutes for traction on YouTube and ultimately at the end of the day it's all these statistics combined i believe that allow to hit the critical threshold where youtube starts putting advertisements on someone's youtube page and then generating revenue for them and that for us fuels back into our production and i've seen this for those successful vloggers on youtube who have a million subscribers you know that the the funds that the, the financial gains and funds that they're getting from youtube only helps improve their content through production Through travel expenses through what they're able to do so it's interesting all these algorithms and wrapping one's head around it's just not a matter of saying you know i love this clip i'm going to put it up there with an introduction and a conclusion and hope everybody loves it and we get a million views there are all these other statistics that have to fall into place mathematically to to make it successful as soon as possible so just some insight from what we're learning here at wild and expose for our youtube and other social media platforms so guys, we're killing it today for time. We're So I, I we're going we're covering a lot of stuff. So I the main segment I wanted to talk about was, you know, today shooting still fo- photos versus video and the different composition techniques and training one's eye because it's almost to me like using a different part of your brain. I know it's not that extreme, but you think of people who are mathematical, mathematically inclined or thought to be left brain people whereas Artists are right brain people, and, of course, there's some overlap of the two hemispheres, and they can communicate, but there's, there's a, a dominance from one side to the other. And I, it's a bit of an exaggeration, but it kind of feels that way when you're shooting still photos and video. You can't just necessarily jump from one to the other. You have to train your eye to do it well. And one of the, I mean, there's many aspects about this that I've, I've learned over the past couple of years, but I know Michael can shine the most light on this. Of us because he's the the videographer of the or the most by far the most established videographer of the trio on today Um, but one thing I've learned is you know historically when I got my first video camera I loved the fact that it had a zoom and I would zoom in on that baby I'd have the elk and the whole mountain scene okay here we are super wide okay hold on everybody buckle your seatbelt we're gonna zoom right in on the animal and it's so old school, from everything I've heard, heard lately, you just don't do that. And it's also like you can some situations panning with the animals is good, but from what I've learned from Michael, the best scenario is the camera stays still and the subject moves. And it doesn't matter whether it's just an eyeball and a, and a bear's claw or whatever going through the frame tight close up to a whole environmental portrait. It's the animal that moves. We don't need the TV to move, the, the presentation to move nearly as much as one might think so there's that initial hurdle of stopping oneself from moving the gear right set it up predict and here's where animal behavior is imperative know what the animal is going to do set up your scene keep your fingers crossed it does it and hope the animal comes into the scene does a thing leaves a scene step one done one segment but then as michael has told us so many times then you've got to tell the story so where does that take you
1: <laughs> yeah, you got to have the who, what, when, where, and why, right? You got to have damn, tell that damn, story damn. or what's going out, what's going on out there. And we all learn and look at stuff differently, so there's no right or wrong for those those things. But you want to have enough variety, and yeah, you, the what you just talked about with going from a wide shot and you zoom in and you get the tight shot. You got to think about all that time it takes to do that. And people's attention spans don't last that long. So, your best just to get the wide shot. You can still zoom in, but you're not going to use that in your edit. You're going to go from the wide shot to the tight shot and just cut all that stuff in the middle out. So, essentially, you could just get, you could accomplish that with two static shots, but they're just different composition. But as far as stills and being in a stills mindset or a video mindset, most of the good videographers, Well, people that I work with. So I oftentimes hire a lot of videographers to work with me on some of these different projects we do. I will always take somebody that has a stills background over someone that has a straight-up video background. Because I think you learn that composition when you're shooting stills, and it carries right over into video, but then you just have to talk about the motion and how does that work. And you kind of touched on it. it. A lot of times you can accomplish that motion by just letting the animal be the motion. The, the flip side to that would be you don't want to miss something if an animal's doing something that you want to show. If you got an eagle fishing, you want to see that soaring in and you want to see the claws coming down and you want to see the fish come out of the water. So you got to kind of follow that. So that's something that you'd want to follow. But if you're shooting a grizzly bear walking, you can just compose a shot and kind of predict where that bear's going to walk and focus on that spot. Let them walk through, and then that provides you with your transition shot to go take you from one place to another. So it's just thinking in those terms where not only do you have to have that epic eye and that epic composition, now you have to be able to tie that to some other shots that are going on. So you always want to have your wide shots, you always want to have your tight shots, and sometimes you want to have the medium shots. And then you also want your transitional shots or your segue shots that get you from one place to another. If you watch TV at all, you see those things used all the time. A lot of people will use, like if they're going from afternoon to evening or afternoon to night, a lot of times you'll see a moon rising, right? And that's gonna tell you, oh, hey, we're going into nighttime. So it's just all these little things that you wanna think about when you're trying to tell these stories or trying to do these vlogs is you gotta show the progression of time. You wanna answer all those questions, who, what, when, where, and why. And then you just want to have enough coverage. If you have something, as far as length of video, I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but I'm trying to answer all those little questions that you had. I don't think there's a right or wrong on the length at all. Because some subjects are best told at two minutes, and some subjects you want a good five, six, uh, I tell my editors all the time, we don't care about time. You make something that's good. And it's really easy to chop something down. It's really hard to add to it. So I like to have them go in and if we're shooting for a video that is under 10 minutes, I'd want to see a timeline that has 30 minutes worth of stuff in it. And then once we have 30 minutes of decent stuff, it's not what we would put out as a final. Then I'll take that 30 minutes and I'll start carving out all the parts that I... Yeah, I don't need that. People are smart enough to know that this happened to this. I can cut that out. I can save time there. I can put this in over here and you can slowly whittle it down. So then you have what was a, a mediocre 30 minutes and you just have a really awesome nine minute video or a six minute video from that 30 minutes. So I don't ever wanna ever key in on time as much as I just wanna key in on a good story or a good, a good vlog that just describes exactly what happened or what, what we're here to do. Sometimes with the vlog stuff, I think it's important to have a plan you know, if you go out and you just say, "Man, today I really want to teach people how to how to use the Osmo, then that's that kind of sets it up. And then you just think while you're in the shower or while you're eating breakfast that morning, you just think about all those little shots that you should get that you might Is be doing. Is that when you that do day.
0: your best thinking, too?
1: Yeah, for sure, the shower. <laughs> I need a pad that I can write on in the shower or a recorder cuz I come up with the best ideas and then I forget them by the time I'm dried off. <laughs> But just have a little plan and then just go out and shoot based off of that plan. And you're always going to miss stuff. I always miss stuff. It's like, oh, I should. I don't have a transition from a, a herd of elk to now it's like, in you know, one day I shot a herd of elk in this area and there was no snow and the next day I have snow. Well, what's that transition shot? Well, the transition shot is clouds moving in or snowflakes falling or something like that. And sometimes we all get caught up in this whole wildlife thing and you don't think about all those other little things that help you tell that story. So just keep that in mind too. You just want to have those things that allow you to tie those really cool, you know, your snow shot or your cloud shot is not going to be an epic shot, but it's really needed for the story. And it's not as sexy to shoot that stuff as it is to shoot some herd of elk or whatever, a bugling bull. But just know you always got to get that. same with walking. If you're going from one place to another, you know, walking shots of just close-ups of boots or tracks or water splashing when a foot hits it, that stuff is awesome when you're trying to move from one place to another, you know, and just think about your topography. If you're in the sand, then it needs to be shot in the sand. You can't throw a shot of boots walking over rocks, you know, just all that stuff you just want to think about just to have the most content to work with in that 30 minutes then you can chop it down to six, seven, eight minutes, or whatever it ends up being.
2: So, Mike, when you're when you're shooting an animal, and you know they're looking left to right, say for instance, typically we would we would put the animal on the left side of the frame or left third of the frame, have them looking into the frame. But when you're shooting motion, obviously that animal is going to turn his head. He might switch directions. Do you find yourself centering more, or do you find yourself go ahead and letting them you know as you said earlier you're kind of predicting what what they're going to do what direction they're going to go but if you're starting that shot when we're talking about composition for video do you find yourself centering them more so that you leave room for them to switch directions that kind of thing
1: no i always stay with the same thing that we do with stills i always kind of predict and then don't get caught up in the whole static shot thing too too much because there's a lot of times where I'll be shooting an elk and it's right justified and I'm predicting him to go from the right side of the screen to the left side of the screen. Well, all of a sudden the cow elk is off to the the other side and he gets his attention. It's super easy to just pan with it, Just a nice steady little pan and you're not going to travel with him for 40 yards, but you might travel with him for 5 or 6 yards and that still sure. is a quality shot to to show that oh hey this animal changed his mind and now it's going the other way that's kind of an interesting little shot because you can kind of get in the mind of that animal and say oh he wasn't even though we all thought he was going to go over here he's clearly aware of his surroundings and he decided to go the other way and so that little pan will just do that right for you so don't uh, don't get caught up in the stagnant shots of everything you know those are your meat and potatoes but you can get away with a little movement here a little movement the same with the zoom although the cameras i use use don't have the the electronic zoom so it's really hard to get a nice smooth zoom so i'm i'm at a deficit when it comes to zooming i never do it just because my cameras the lenses i use don't do that i could buy a lens that does that but i don't i just get away with just shooting wides and tights and medium shots and establishing shots big grand wide open landscape shots and then the other thing that i don't think gets shot enough and it kind of falls in line with the whole clouds and snowing stuff i mean you could tell so many stories with other little wildlife that's in the area you can shoot little tweety birds or you can shoot little voles or something if you're sitting there waiting on something that happened and you have prairie dogs out in front of you and a lot of us would be like oh, i don't need a prairie dog that really helps to tell that story or buy you time to get you from one place to another. So keep that in mind. And then a lot of times just it'll be raining and you want to show this rain and you might have a berry patch. And then you get these little droplets of water that are dripping off the berries. That's a really cool shot to have. Cause it just gives you that it gives that viewer a little snapshot into exactly what was going on at that moment. Those are the things I think that really make the video come to life. You got all the meat and potatoes, and everybody's pretty good at getting the meat and potatoes. It's just those little shots that add to the day or add to what was actually happening or add to the environment or the weather or whatever it is. So just make sure that a lot of that kind of stuff gets shot along the way. And it's super easy. Like I said earlier, it's super easy to forget about that stuff because you get just so tied up into, oh, I want to shoot this bear, and this bear's doing so many cool things. Then you get back to edit something and all you've got is a hundred shots of a bear. You know, that's really hard to tell a story. The other thing I do all the time, I don't do it as much anymore, but back when I used to have to hire a lot of new videographers is I would take them out and let them shoot. I'd say, hey, we're going to go do a story on, I don't know, whatever it was. We're going to go do a story on this high school uh, senior that's going to get an award and it wasn't that important that we got the video or not, but it was a good little story that I knew there was a story there, and I just wanted to see what their, what their ability was. I'd take them out, and I'd just let them shoot something. Wouldn't it say anything? I'd be along to help carry stuff and do whatever, but then we'd come back, and I'd say, okay, now let's put something together. And you really start picking up on what's needed when you have to edit. When you have to actually tell a story with what you just shot, you quickly realize, oh, I can't. I don't have everything here. I need to tell the story. I got a great wide shot of someone getting an award, but I don't have anything else that shows the crowd or the clapping or the person making the presentation or the tight shot of the the, tra- the the transfer of the award from hand to hand or the handshake or all those little moments that really add that that energy or that that emotion to that particular shot. So that was a great learning thing and that's what everybody could do is you could say, Hey, I'm going to do a shot on my bird feeder and I'm going to show how many different birds come in and, and then shoot it and be thinking about all this stuff. But I guarantee you'll miss a lot of stuff, but it'll come right to mind when you go to try to put that story together and you're like, Oh, I don't have everything I need here. Now it's different too. We're talking five, six, seven, eight minute videos, right? But then you got the whole minute long Instagram you know, deadline or or timeline. So you have to, if you're going to take a six-minute video and get it to a minute video, you're going to cut a lot of stuff out at that point. So you don't get as much creativity. You can, but it's a little harder when you have to condense that down to one minute. Well, I think you've summarized (laughs) this
0: perfectly. The difference between a professional still photographer and a professional videographer is those story segments in between. You know, we want to capitalize on every possible image composition we can while the light in the animals presenting itself to us. So we zoom in, we zoom out, we shift left, we shift right, we do backlighting, different scenarios, but we don't have to tell the story in between. Right. For the best video, whether it's something for BBC or whether it's something for a vlog for your YouTube channel, you need to tell the story in between. That is, as you point out, so much more engaging. To do it that way so yeah that, that was an excellent summary and, and i think great tips for our listeners when they're thinking about composing videos and again it doesn't matter what tool you're using right using your iphone using your gopro using a drone i mean it's a matter of just creating it in your mind's eye and doing more and more of this b-roll footage to, to, to glue the story together to stitch it together and i'm sure the more more people do that the more they'll learn and and be aware of what they can add something else I wanted to point out and I know it's kind of trivial and obvious but I mean it's just in 2019 I don't think there's been a better time for a videographer as far as gear to create diverse content when you can you know we've talked about taking this little Osmo pocket and not for a bear because bears like we talked about before are too too alert and and smell sensitive and they take it and run off it and then that'd be it. <laughs> but, you know, I've dreamt of doing this with caribou where planting a GoPro or something like this Osmo pocket now, well, 50 caribou are going by and just put it down. Keep your fingers crossed. It doesn't get crushed. But the footage, the wide angle footage of these animals coming over top would be phenomenal to piece together with. Some of the more traditional videos we would, the segments we would record, right? And then you'd have drone stuff. Not with the animals around; that's not permitted. But maybe of us hiking a ridge for B-roll in the grand landscape. All all these different perspectives can make for outstanding videos now. So it's something that you know it's a learning curve, and and you've you've highlighted that so well today. But you know, start playing with this. Start learning these different settings. You know. Get out there and use your iPhone and put it in slow-mo mode. It's there in your phone settings. And film something for three seconds in slow-mo and and see what happens. Whether it's falling snow, whether it's a a stream going by, whether you have birdseed in your hand and the chickadees coming in in the winter to land in your hand, film it with the other hand in slow-mo. Put the subject in the middle of the frame and your friends and neighbours will be so impressed.
1: Well, and yeah, I think the big thing stuff. is your your audience is going to be way more intrigued and they're going to watch. You know, you talked a lot of sure. earlier about length of video that they watch. You've got to hold their attention, right? There's so mm. many guys that I work with that they're just like huge movie buffs and they just analyze movies and they'll watch how different directors do stuff and and that can help a lot too. I I a lot of times if I'm going on a big shoot, I'll sit down and watch a BBC special on bears. If I'm going to go shoot bears... I watch a whole special because I don't know it all. And there's a lot of stuff to learn and you can watch how somebody did something and maybe that situation exists or it won't, but at least you have it in your mind, freshly in your mind where you could maybe apply that, that technique or that particular shot or whatever. So I don't, I don't know that anything's new these days Er you know, just about everything's been done, but use that as, you know, you don't have to copy it 100%. You just, use that thought process to create your own.
0: Oh, that's a great hack. And, and, and with our kids home this week, they're actually, as we're, I'm podcasting right now, they're watching it with Pilly downstairs. They're watching Blue Planet 2. It's awesome. And you can't help but watch it and just get sucked into the storyline. And that's great. But what I want to encourage our listeners to do with any of these new documentaries, watch it once, enjoy it for what it is at face value. Then sit down, watch it again from a creator's perspective and watch how long those clips are and see how many there are and why they cut it there. And, and as you pointed out so eloquently, Michael, what are their transition clips? What's the B-roll that they're p- pacing these together with? It's so educational to sit down and from that perspective, you know, from a critical eye on how this is being made, Watch that. And I know they have a behind the scenes segment, but that's still not what we're talking about. Watch the clips. How, you know, what's trending? How short are they? So when you're making your own blog, with the exception of Michael's amazing moose video, you don't let it run for a minute, right? You've got a two second clip changed, 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 change. It's amazing. So enjoy it the first time. Don't distract yourself with this, but watch it again with an editor's eye and pretend you are creating it yourself and think about those cuts in those segments. And I think that will really help fine-tune or start someone's ability, you know, with this skill set to create their own blogs on something as simple as iMovie.
2: And I've been I mean, we've been able to see some awesome and or to have some awesome encounters and know that Mike has gotten the footage. And we've been able to see a few of those, you know, in the evening when we get back to the cabin, get back to camp. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to be able to see a few of those. The one that I haven't seen, and this is going to sound goofy to almost everyone, is uh, when we were filming, we were at the rattlesnake den this spring, and there was a yellow-bellied racer in with the rattlesnakes in the den. And those things you hardly ever see them because they, they're called racers because they're so stinking fast when it's warm. This guy was cool and being a cold-blooded animal. He wasn't moving that fast great opportunity to get some footage of this species and mike got a clip i mean when you're taking a still image you're going to take an image of the snake's head or try to find a composition where you can get the whole uh the whole snake in the frame for a still mike got a clip of he was initially on the head and then got the snake moving all the way through the frame until the tail exited the far side of the frame and i think you got it in slow motion didn't you
1: Yeah, so much of the stuff I shoot for wildlife is slow motion because you can always speed it up, right? So, yeah, we try to shoot, or I try to shoot a lot of the wildlife stuff in slow motion because it just gives you so much more to look at.
2: Yeah, no pressure, but I really want to see that thing in slow motion at some point because it's a species that I've never been able to photograph because when you see them, they're gone. Yeah. And to have that opportunity that we had this spring, with with everything else that we've seen it sounds odd that I'd want to see a snake.
1: <laughs> no, but, but you're that, right. I mean, it's one of those deals yep, where was, you just me. we had the right conditions that day to yep. get the kind of shot. And you think about these guys that are out there shooting the National Geographic and BBC specials and the amount of time that it takes. You said um, you mentioned earlier Mark about the behind the scenes. That's fun to watch from that perspective. It's like how many days was this poor guy sitting there waiting for a bird of paradise to show up on one log i mean 30 days sitting in a blind cramped up you know gaining weight because you just sit there and eat while waiting for something to happen and the amount of time it takes to just tell that really awesome natural history story is it's amazing i mean very seldom do you get to go out and just get it all put together in one day or one trip even you know, it's going to take years of just putting this stuff together to, to end up with something that's really eloquent like that. These days with YouTube, we don't need to, it depends on who your audience is and what we're producing stuff for, but you got to do it all. I will find Excuse that clip, Ron, and we'll, we'll put that I out appreciate there. I'll get that. it. I'll put it on our Instagram feed, but, and then you did talk about that moose shot. There's the behavior stuff that can hold your attention for a whole minute, you know, so When you see something you've never seen before, and I think that's why that little moose thing gets so much traction, is we all shoot moose at a certain time of year prior to the rut, and I just happened to be there kind of into the rut, and I'd never seen that before. I knew it had happened, and I knew what a a rut pit was, and I knew what these things were, but I'd never actually seen it, and it just unfolded in front of us. So you shoot for a full minute, and there's enough stuff going on where you're like, holy... That is amazing to see just all this interaction and what went on to make the pit and what went on to attract the females to the cows to show up. And so those work, it's just time and a place.
0: Yeah, it has to be something special, something magical that was captured on the video, right? For the longer clips like that. Yep. So I hope that everybody's enjoyed taking a little trip behind the scenes into what it make, takes to make a video. And not just uh, all all different types of video, whether it's something for production or as simple as a vlog that you want to share on YouTube, on Instagram, or to your family and friends. I know that I've learned a lot from Michael today. So thanks for tuning in. And I want to also say that I have some, hopefully, we'll have some Pine Martin adventures and snowy owls to share in the weeks ahead. As everybody is well aware at this stage in the game, Mark Raycroft likes moose. But... (laughs) It's not the well, be-all and end-all of my world here. We have yeah, s- caribou so are your many other and things. I like caribou too. I like all <laughs> the un- all the ungulates for sure. All the antlered animals are right at the top of my list, but so are the large predators. That being said, pine martens are a blast in the winter time to try and find them. And there are there's one place. Well, there's several places that I'm aware of, but one that I go and there's there's snow ha- um, snowshoe hares there. Uh, rough grouse spruce grouse even wild turkeys moose and pine martens, and red fox so it's one of those one of those locations where i never know what to pan out on any given day and that being said it's i'm not the only one that knows of this area so i try to go here's a little hack i try to go on weekdays not weekends and be there for mornings as well as evening uh, just so it's quieter and more animal activity with fewer people around as well anything else to add boys
1: No, I think we're good. I think just check out Ron's uh, Bobcat stuff on Instagram.
0: Absolutely. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. You've been listening to Wild and Exposed. Thanks for tuning in.